This podcast was made in partnership with the Flues app. When you sign up with Flues using my referral code GeoBreeze Travel, you'll receive three vouchers to earn up to 35% cash back on merchants such as Grubhub, CVS, and more. You'll also earn a high cash back voucher for each friend you refer to the app. And if you would be interested in hosting a paid collaboration with Flues, send me an email at julia at geobreezetravel.com, letting me know that you're interested and I will introduce you to the marketing team. Check out the show notes to download the Flues app. Welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast, a show for anyone wanting to level up their travel hacking lifestyle. I'm your host, Julia Menez. I'm a travel hacker, coach, speaker, Filipina-American ENTJ who loves solid travel gear and using shortcuts on spreadsheets. On this show, I'm on a mission to bring you travel hackers from all walks of life to help you level up your travel hacking game. We dive into credit cards, miles, points, strategy, mindset, and the secrets behind how to travel the world for next to no cost. So let's get hacking. I walked into the Burj Al Arab, which is the only seven-star hotel in Dubai, to just look at the brunch menu because Sumeya was trying to convince me that it's $125 a person, two people, $250. Let's just do it. It's once in a lifetime. Do it, and that's it. So when they took us up there and gave us a tour of the caviar, the Wagyu, and all of that stuff, I was convinced. I mean, let me just... Let's pay $250 for just two people. This was on our 10-year anniversary. And then I was like, okay, so how much is it? Just to confirm the price. And it was like $300 a person, $600 for a dinner. I was like, oh, oh yeah, let me think about it. I'll come back. They're still waiting. Five years later, they're still waiting for Abdul, who went for a walk, and he's going to come right back up, you know? <laughs> Hello, points people. Abdul and Sumaya Vazradi run the Game of Points blog, which is all about travel, collecting points, and maximizing redemptions. They are a family of four and have been to more than 30 countries. They love the opulence and luxury, but not the high price tags, so they travel hack their way through five-star resorts and premium sky cabins. In today's episode, we discuss an incredible 10-year anniversary trip that Abdul and Samaya took around the world in business class with stops in Singapore, Dubai, and Abu Dhabi, a trip that would have cost more than $40,000 if paid for in cash, which... Apparently, a lot of people on their flights did just that. We also discussed some cultural considerations about what it's like to be a Muslim person in the points and miles world, or just in the world in general. And it's honestly pretty eye-opening. The hobby of award travel should be available for anyone who wants to take part, and I know it can seem pretty daunting to get started for a variety of reasons. If you'd like some personalized coaching to get started with your points journey or to level up your game, Check out the link in the show notes to sign up for a coaching spot. And now, on with the show. Hey, Abdul. Hey, Samaya. Welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. Thank Hi. you. Thank you for having us. Of course. Thank you for being here today. I am so excited to get to speak with you guys today. So before we jump into all of your Game of Points knowledge, which I love that handle, by the way, before we jump into all the stuff you know, all of the cool trips you've taken, Kind of walk us through, what's the origin story? How did you get into the game of points and miles? Back in 2015, I was planning the summer vacation where we take the kids and travel to Tunisia and North Africa to meet my parents where they're retiring. And um, looking at the price of four economy tickets from Los Angeles to Tunisia, it was about $5,200 total. And that's just economy. And 
it felt like that's a very steep price to pay for four economy tickets with no frills, no nothing. So I started looking around for ways to actually cut that expense a little bit. And I came across a couple of websites that talk about credit cards that earn miles. And I thought that was interesting. So I started researching it, you know, and then I told somebody, hey, listen, like if we play our cards right, pun intended, we might be able to get either free economy tickets or cut our economy, the, the money that we pay for, for economy flights. And the whole idea was just to save some money, not to fly business class or first class or access to lounge, you know, it was just a mo- like a modest and moderate like goal, just cut the expenses a little bit. So like I said, we did uh, some research, came across the points guy, like Brian the points guy. And I believe he had a, an affiliate link with Chase and specifically the British Airways credit card. And I believe back then you would have earned 100,000 points if you spent like $4,000 in the first three months. And I was like, okay, like, I mean, we do spend quite a bit of money every month. So might as well just put all that money on a credit card and go with the British Airways 100,000 points thinking that using those 100,000 British Airways points, and this is, remember, back in 2015, we can get at least one-way economy to Tunisia for free, which would cut our total expense by half. And I did that. I applied for that credit card. And then Sumaya also applied for that credit card. And at that time, British Airways ran an amazing promotion where if you use your British Airways AVOs, you can actually get discounted business class flights. So we jumped on the opportunity, and I believe it was our first international uh, flight in business class. We flew to Tunisia, and we only spent like a thousand, like or fifteen hundred dollars out of pocket for four business class round trip LAX to Tunisia and back. And uh, that's where the the joy, uh, the journey started. That is a big first redemption. Indeed, indeed. So Maya, do you want to tell them about that night that I spent pacing back and forth right before our flight, you know, having imaginary conversation with people in the lounge? (laughs) Yeah. So, like... We, we've had a couple, not very many, but we've had a couple Islamophobic like incidents. So sometimes we feel nervous. I don't know if that's the right word, but is that what you're talking about, Abdul? I'm talking about me going, us going into a lounge and feeling yeah. like we don't belong. Like if we go into the lounge and then like, what if somebody feels like we're not supposed to be here and they're telling us like, you guys can't be here. So he was like, like having full on like what he's going to say to them like no we deserve to be here too but yeah that never happened once so I don't know why he was nervous I don't know I just felt like out of place I mean flying first of all going from economy to business which is huge and then actually having access to a lounge you know where for me like the image that I associate with business travelers is rich folks back then and even now, we're not that rich, you know. So to me, it felt like 
we felt a little bit of an imposter syndrome. You know, like we're walking into a lounge where most people are, or at least I think most people actually paid cash for their flights. And these flights in cash were like $3,000 a piece. So $12,000 for a whole family. So us, we ended up paying like $1,600 total plus the points to walk into a business class lounge where these rich people are hanging out, you know, before their flight. To me, it felt like out of place, you know. And yeah, I lost that feeling over the course of the years, you know. But back then, I felt very nervous. And I coached myself, hey, what if somebody approaches us? We're like, hey, you don't belong here. You're flying. Like, you must be flying on points. And you don't look like you could afford to fly business class. So, yeah, it, it was just young Abdul back in 2015. So now I know better. <laughs> that story is insane because... Everyone, everybody listening to this podcast right now has felt that imposter syndrome where you're in a nice lounge or in a nice hotel room in the lobby. You see people walking by in suits and you're like, I am not fancy enough to be here. I don't belong here. I have felt this feeling many times, um, which then I laugh about with the hotel receptionists and everything mm -hmm. and we have a laugh about how I don't belong here but the fact that you guys like also rehearsed like you don't belong here because Islamophobia mm -hmm. I think is just a whole nother twist to this story that I don't think anybody ever even like considers they like people have to have these conversations with themselves and yeah. rehearse these situations that's crazy we went into the lounge and like it wasn't that Fancy of a lounge, you know, now that we've visited so many lounges through the world, you know, like this is a lounge in uh, LAX, the British Airways lounge in uh, LAX. And then we got on the plane. And one of the main attractions of business class, especially long haul business class, is having a flat seat bed. So your back is not hurting. If you're tired, you just lie down and nap. And I remember like six hours into the flight, tossing and turning, trying to fall asleep, and I couldn't. I couldn't because I still had butterflies in my stomach. I st still felt that excitement of being, oh my God, I'm flying business class, you know. Sumaya, are you the same way? Do you sleep easily on planes or you're also just like, oh my God, we're in business class. I can't sleep. When we flew, well, I flew first class from Abu Dhabi to LAX, which I guess they don't have that flight anymore, but it was on Itihad. Oh, and yeah. Anyway, on that flight, you could order, you had like an order, what was it, like a chef order cook? Oh, uh, Dine on Demand. Dine Dan on Demand. And yeah, so like you can just order whatever you want. But then it's like, I wanted to try, well, also, Abdul, we wanted to try like everything on the menu. <laughs> so, but then like, we feel bad just like ordering everything like back to back to back. So it's like we couldn't sleep because every hour we had to order a new meal. <laughs> so we ended up, did we tried, I think, everything on the menu. So yeah, it just depends. Some flights, like if especially because we also the way we plan our travel, we we're both like we get really restless really fast. So we don't like to spend more than like we, like we have a three day hotel room total. Like you, we can't spend more than three days in a single hotel. Then we have to go somewhere else. Even if we're in the same city, we have to go to a different hotel because we we call it um, breakfast fatigue for yeah. the first day. We go down. I know this is like major first world problems, but the first day we go down to like the big breakfast buffet and we're like, oh my God, we have this, we have that. And we're trying everything. And then the second day we eat it again and we're like, Don't, we'll maybe get like the back for the things that we loved. And then the third day we're just like, eh, I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So then we would go to the next hotel. So anyway, what I was going to say about that, I like went off subject. But so, so because we only spend like three days total, sometimes we're only like in a, in a country for three days. And so we have to like maximize and see as much as we can in those three days. I mean, I'm like, I'm a Virgo. I don't know if that's why, but like I write out itineraries that's like hour by hour. They were doing this and then we're doing that. <laughs> and so if it's one of those places where it's like we need to get there already rested because it's going to be morning there and we need to sightsee that day, then I just force everybody in the family to sleep. Even Abdul, I'm like, I don't care. Figure it out. Take a sleeping <laughs> pill. You need yeah. to sleep. <laughs> How many of these trips do you guys get to take per year? We do like two major trips, one in December, one in usually July, because those are when the kids are out of school. And then, but then we try to hit at least four countries for each trip. So right now we're averaging about eight countries a year, I would say. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, we try to do like three to five domestic, like shorter trips throughout the year. We went to Florida. And then we went to Jamaica and then uh, Dominican Republic. And then we wanted to go to Puerto Rico, but they shut down everything like gyms, restaurants, pools and things like that. And it wouldn't make much sense for us to go to uh, Puerto Rico and just sit in a hotel when the pool, even the pool and gym is closed. So we end up like spending a lot of time in Disney World and like um, Florida. And then we flew back to Los Angeles. That was our summer. So that alone, two international destination and one um, domestic. And then in December, we end up going to Texas, Panama, Colombia. Colombia, we flew to Ecuador, Ecuador to Costa Rica, Costa Rica to Cancun, Cancun back to Los Angeles. Each destination was like two, three days tops. And you don't believe how much stuff you can accomplish in two, three days. Like, I mean. If you're us. If you're us, like basically you just hit the ground running. Take as many pictures as you can. Hit a couple of major attractions buy the pen or like the magnet, like uh, the fridge magnet in the airport and then just come home. Oh, let me say something. I was just going to say also um, on that COVID trip in 2020 that you were talking about, I was just going to say also that we, so we had Puerto Rico already booked. And then while we were in Dominican Republic, that's when we found, that's when they shut down Puerto Rico. And so we used the chase. Yeah. The, the, the travel, what is it called? The the travel. It's the travel uh, insurance. Travel yeah, insurance. That comes with the chase. Yeah, we used that and we just, it was really easy. We just called them up. We told them that we have trips to Puerto Rico and it got now shut down from COVID. What can they do? And they immediately like refunded all everything we bought for the planes, the hotels, everything. And then they booked us the flight themselves for us to get back to the US. They asked us like, where do you want to, what flight, what airport do you want to fly into? We, that's when we decided to go to Disney World. We weren't planning to go, but the kids were like, okay, let's go to Disney World then. We're like, okay. hey, the okay. kids said, let's go. Yeah, to I wanted World. to go too. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good perk to have. Like, just know that, that we used it. It was super easy. They helped us out. And next thing you know, we were in back in Florida. That is a good thing to know. Those trip protections and like the travel insurance, they can really come in handy, especially in times like the pandemic when the plans are always just kind of up in the air. Hey there, points people. Are you interested in learning some next level tips about cards, airlines, hotels, stacking, where to find award availability and more? 
check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash travel. There, you'll find recordings of all of my monthly masterclass hangouts, as well as some special bonus content. And now, we are also doing some gift card giveaways each month to some lucky Patreon members. Check out the show notes for the link to join. This week's Patreon shoutout goes out to Juan. Thank you so much for being a part of the GeoBreeze Travel Patreon community. Yeah. What do you guys do for your day jobs that you have like this much vacation time that you can take four trips per year? All right. So I'm a university professor. So that gives me a lot of time because basically I have, I don't teach in the summers and I don't teach in the winter session. So I basically, I have off like December, January, and then I have June, July, August. And then yeah. you, you just have a lot of vacation. <laughs> I'm a principal engineer with uh, Sony, working on the PlayStation 5 and the PlayStation brand. And I've been with uh, Sony for about 15 years. So every year I accumulate a little bit of extra personal time off. And I started hitting the limit. There's a certain cap after which use it or lose it. So I have to use my, uh, I have to use my time off. Yeah, we're, we're blessed to have this much time off to the point where sometimes we're trying to take vacations just so we can burn it, you know, like just burn it off, you know. So it's a very, very good problem to have. <laughs> that yeah. is a nice problem to have. That is another yeah. one of those first world problems, <laughs> like breakfast buffet, food fatigue. <laughs> the two Shangri-Las that we've been to, the Bangkok and the Muscat, oh man, had like such amazing breakfast to this day is just find myself daydreaming about it. Like, did I eat enough? You know, did I get my points worth? (laughs) (laughs) Which points family is the Shangri-La with? How do you get a Shangri-La on points? Um, Here's the thing. It's uh, with um, the Chase Sapphire Reserve, both the Chase Sapphire Reserve and Preferred, you earn ultimate reward points. Now, here's the thing. You can, for every point that you earn with the Sapphire Preferred, you can redeem it for one 0.25, 1.25 cent. And for the reserve, for every point, you can redeem it for one and a half cent on travel through the Chase portal. So let's say a room is $300. Like with the Chase Sapphire reserve, you pay much less than that, like $200 instead of $300 because your point go for one and a half uh, cent. So we find hotels on the Chase travel portal. And then we have multiple strategies. For hotels specifically, we redeem the ultimate reward points on the Chase Sapphire, the Chase portal, travel portal. For flights, that's a different thing. That's where we transfer our points to to airlines and then redeem flights. To give you an example, I mentioned Santorini. We're going to Santorini next, next week. What we did is we transferred 212,000 points from Chase to Flying Blue, which is Air France and KLM. And we we basically did the research first to see how many points it takes for four people to fly business class. And it was 212,000 points for when we booked it. It was a promotion. It was great. So we transferred the points from Chase to Flying Blue. And then we paid the taxes and fees in cash and we uh, scored for business class flights. So, mm-hmm. Very cool. How and do you stay organized? Oh. It's actually interesting because a lot of people do keep an Excel sheet. This is when I opened up the card. This is how much I earned, you know, and this is the annual fee. And this is when the annual fee hits. 
me, I keep track of it mentally. And I also use, I mean, I'm mostly a Chase guy. So I have like six or seven credit cards with Chase. And I check my points and my activity pretty much religiously, like every day. And that's how, like specifically, I try and keep track of the and when the annual fee hits. So because, for instance, when Sumaya's Chase Sapphire preferred hit the annual fee of $95 like a couple months ago, I knew that I had basically just about 30 days for us to call and downgrade it to a non-annual fee card so they can reimburse us that $95 because we didn't have much use after we earned the bonus and all that stuff. And that's what we did. And they reimbursed us the $95. And now that card sits in a drawer. <laughs> that's awesome. I have one of those like baseball trading card notebooks where you would put baseball cards, except mine's all credit cards. Credit cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So with all of the different fun trips you've gotten to take, is there a favorite that you guys have had in your history of points and miles? My favorite is definitely for our 10-year anniversary. Um, Abdul, maybe, I also was kind of a treat because he basically like organized the entire thing and did the whole thing and I didn't really do anything. So <laughs> I can't take credit, but we, he, we did a trip around the world. Started in Los Angeles. We went to Abu Dhabi, right? Went to Japan. Oh, oh my God, this is... <laughs> This is our 10-year anniversary, which was five years ago. And she doesn't remember it. I, I remember every single detail. Okay, we went okay. to Singapore. And we went to... I know we went to Dubai. But I don't remember where else we went. Oh, God. Like, okay, Abdul, fine. Because I did the research. Thank you for appreciating this for me. I guess, I guess I'm just a tool to earn these great... No, but I, especially as on the Singapore Airways flight, that was the first flight we took, right? LAX to Singapore, nonstop. And we flew in business. We flew in what? what all right. Here, here's how it goes. Okay. First of all, we had Uber Black to take us from our home yep. in the Valley to Los Angeles Airport, LAX. You know, So it had to be mentioned Uber Black because we earned three points. Per dollar spent. And then we went to Singapore, we flew Singapore Airlines, Los Angeles to uh, to Korea. Because at that point, they did not have the nonstop or like the discontinuity. And then from Korea to Singapore, we spent, was it five days or three days in Singapore? Three days in Singapore. Three days in Singapore. Wait, you skipped a step because I was trying to say on that flight, mm -hmm. boom emailed the company beforehand and told them like we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary can you surprise my wife in the air and so what they did was absolutely amazing like I've never seen anything like this in my life but basically at one point they rolled out a cart and it was like completely decorated with flowers and everything and it was a cake on it that said, like, happy anniversary of Duel and Sumay. And then they had two little bears, like the Singapore Airways bears, a guy and a girl that they gifted us. And then they, oh, and then they took a picture of all the flight crew and the captain and the, had the captain sign it saying, like, happy anniversary. 
And then they did this big announcement for it and wheeled it out. And it was honestly, it was just, I mean, I was just blown away by that because I didn't expect it. And it was so sweet. Mm-hmm. And then from, okay, so then we went, so we enjoyed Singapore. I, we loved Singapore. Then we went to, I don't know. Dubai. Okay, then we, I told you we went to Dubai. Okay, then we went to Dubai. Oh, and then the there we were, we stayed at the Grand Hyatt Dubai. And same thing, Abdul emailed the manager of the hotel ahead of time. So this is like, take notes, guys. Like if you email managers of hotels where you're going to stay ahead of time and tell them you're celebrating a birthday or whatever you're celebrating, sometimes if you're lucky, they'll really go out of their way for you. And we just lucked out in Grand Hyatt Dubai where we told he told them ahead of time. So when we got there, they decided to upgrade us to the Prince Suite. And oh my God, it was like the entire top floor of the Grand Hyatt. Like it's bigger than our house. (laughs) I'm not kidding. And it was just absolutely unbelievable. I've never in my life stayed in a room like that, multiple rooms. Like they would come through every morning with fresh bouquet of flowers, like for to refill the vases in every single room of the suite. It was just unbelievable. And then we, they had a separate like, a breakfast lounge on the top floor just for the people that had suites. So it was like a private breakfast. So we went to, and there was a, yeah. yeah, And there was a famous football player there in the, in the lounge with us eating breakfast. And I don't remember his name, so I'm not going to pretend, but still there was a celebrity. (laughs) And then after Dubai, we went to Abu Dhabi and we stayed in the Grand Hyatt Saadiyat. Hyatt Park. Hyatt Park. Different thing, different, different hotels, Grand Hyatt Dubai, and then the Hyatt Park, the Park Hyatt, Sariyat, Abu Dhabi. Which is also an amazingly gorgeous hotel. It's one of the best hotels I think I've ever been in. And then after that, did we fly home? Yeah. I guess after that, we flew home. And then that's when we flew, it had back, and we also flew in business, and it was nonstop. And on that flight, was the lead singer from Aerosmith. Was it Aerosmith? Steven Tyler was on your flight? No, I think it's someone else. Because if it was somebody from Aerosmith, I'd be like all over them. And then by the no, it's would the restrict famous me. guy. It's the famous guy. Okay, let me just preface There's this. There's no one celebrity. celebrities at all. Like I'm literally the person that you can ask me who that person is. I have no idea. No idea. Actually, the only reason we knew he was a celebrity is because people were going up to him in the lounge and asking to take pictures with him. And so I asked another lady and I'm like, who is that? And that's when she told me. I was like, oh, my God. And I Googled him. and I was like, oh, my God, that's him. So how many points did all of this cost? How did you book this Oof. trip on point? Here's the thing. Every year there's a sad, sad thing that happens where airlines devaluate their charts, you know, and. Back then in 2016, I remember paying for Los Angeles to Abu Dhabi, to Dubai with a lay with a stopover in uh, Singapore. They used to do it back then. I don't know if they still do it now. I think it was 80,000 points per person, so a little bit about 160,000 plus $100 per person to cover the stopover in Singapore. So the final destination was Dubai, but with a three day three days uh, stopover in, uh, uh, in Singapore. That was um, using Chris 
miles or no, like Singapore Airlines. And then to fly from Abu Dhabi to Los Angeles. And unfortunately, that that um, flight no longer operates. So Abu, um, like Etihad Airways just uh, announced that they no longer serve Los Angeles. But that flight was about 50,000 American airline, no, 75,000, 75,000 American airline points per person to fly business class. So it was 150,000 for American airline points. And then 160,000 Chris miles, like with the Singapore Airlines, and like a few hundred bucks here and there. The Grand Hyatt Dubai, the Grand Hyatt Dubai, I think it was about 30,000 points that we transferred from Chase to Hyatt. And then same thing with Park Hyatt in Abu Dhabi. That was, again, points transferred from Chase to Hyatt, which is a transfer partner of Chase Ultimate Reward Points. So, How much would all of this have cost if you had to pay for it in money? Oof, oof, like honestly, like at least, at least 30, 40 grand, at least 30, 40 grand. Why? Because when you fly one way, business class or first class, it's usually more expensive, at least in my experience, than paying round trip. And we're not interested in doing round trip. We're interested in traveling around the world, as in like we were flying west all the time. So yeah, it would have, I mean, I, th- I thought it was like $40,000, like something like that. So, I mean, I was looking at the rates. Just, I remember the Park Hyatt Abu Dhabi was over $1,000 a night with very limited availability, but we lucked out and uh, we got it. How much would that print suite have cost if you paid for that? Was that $1,500? Like $1,500, something like that. Like, I mean, like shout out to the people of the Grand Hyatt Dubai. Like they took care of us. First of all, check-in. We walked into the regular reception and they're like, no, we're going to take you up in an elevator to the club floor for a a separate check-in. And then they gave us the suite and we have tons of pictures of footage of it. And they brought us, because we don't drink alcohol, they brought us a really fancy, was it pomegranate, sparkling pomegranate juice? And a, and a cake. Yeah. And flowers. And everything. And I'm like, stop, stop. Like, I don't deserve all this stuff. I don't, you know. Like, just give me a little bit of bread and cheese and that's it. You know, like, I don't ask for much, you know. But that suite was amazing. I still remember every single corner of it. Like, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. So many of the most luxurious experiences that I've heard about on this podcast or other points in Miles blogs take place in Dubai. Like, I think I've had five people on this podcast be like, oh, my best trip ever was to Dubai, like the Almaha or like something Mm -hmm. in Dubai. And a lot of the most luxurious experiences that people talk about in points and miles are flights to and from the Middle East, whether it's on Qatar Airways, Etihad, Emirates, any of those. But yet, like you guys are the first Muslim people I've had on the podcast. Why is the whole points and miles thing not just more common with the Muslim okay. community? So, uh, okay, so here's the thing. So, so religiously in Islam, we can't pay interest. Basically, there's a lot of Muslims that are scared of credit cards in general just because they feel like they're doing something religiously sinful. But the thing is, is like, as long as you pay off your credit card, 
in full at the end of every month, you're not paying any interest. So that's what we do. We have tons of credit cards, but we don't accrue any interest on them because whatever we spend on them every month, we just pay the full balance at the end of the month and then we're good to go. And so I think because I, we do get a lot of questions like that through our um, social media asking us like, how can you guys do this? And this is sin and stuff like that. And then I have to explain to them that it's not a sin because you're paying it off. Completely. So I, I really think that's a huge factor in why. And, but you know, like we try our hardest, like we try to rope in our friends so hard. Abdul has a friend that he's been telling him for like 10 years and he still is like a cash guy. And that guy, oh, hi, sorry, I'm on the phone. <laughs> that guy has two businesses. So we're like, if you put your business expenses on these cards. Like, do you have any, and he likes to travel, but yet he, we don't, yeah, I don't know. People are skeptical when you tell them about all your trips and things like that. They, they, and you tell them, Hey, sign up for this credit card and things like that. People are skeptical. They think you're trying to scam out, scam them or get something out of them. You know, you know what? Fine. I'll fly business class. You keep flying economy to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They think like, I mean, it really is so easy. And like, honestly, like we, we don't get anything out of this blog and what we do. Honestly, we don't. And like, the only reason we do it is because we wish we knew these things a long time ago. And we, you know, once we found it out, like, honestly, like we spent a good two, three years kicking ourselves. Like if we knew this, cause we love to travel. I mean, since we, the second we got married, we were already planning trips and traveling. And so it's like, if we knew this, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, things would have been so different. And we're just trying to help people like, look, you can have this too. You can do this too. But then when we start to tell them, they think like, I don't know what they think. Like it's too good to be true or something. It's not, it's not too good to be true. You can do it. <laughs> but the fewer people do it, the better, you know, to answer your question, um, just to give a little more perspective on the whole Muslim traveling luxurious thing. So we flew Dubai to Los Angeles nonstop business class. It was just Sumaya and I. But two years later, we took our kids with us and we flew Dubai to Los Angeles. And I had Sumaya and my daughter Sarah in first class. We rede I redeemed 230,000 American airline points to put Sumaya, my wife, and Sarah, my daughter, in first class because ladies first. Yes, yes, I know. And Adam, my son, and I, we flew in business uh, class. And the first class in that Etihad flight had eight first class seats. So two of them were occupied by Sumaya and my daughter. And the rest were Muslim folks who paid probably cash. I mean, they were elderly and things like that. And we do have friends in Dubai and Abu Dhabi who pay cash for their flights, whether it's business or first class. You wouldn't imagine how much wealth there is in that area. Like, I mean, I I walked into the Burj Al Arab, which is the only seven-star hotel in Dubai, to just look at the brunch menu because Sumaya was trying to convince me that it's $125 a person, two people, $250. Let's just do it. It's once in a lifetime. Do it, and that's it. So when they took us up there and gave us a tour of the caviar, the Wagyu, and all of that stuff, I was convinced. I mean, let me just... Let's pay $250 for just two people. This was on our 10-year anniversary. And then I was like, okay, so how much is it? Just to confirm the price. And it was like $300 a person, $600 for a dinner. 
I was like, oh, oh yeah, let me think about it. I'll come back. They're still waiting. Five years later, they're still waiting for Abdul, who went for a walk, and he's going to come right back up, you know? <laughs> but the reason I'm bringing this up is because I've seen tables with 16 family members around enjoying this brunch. 16 people at $300 minimum, minimum price a person. It's like, where do you get all this money? Like, I want some of it, you know, just throw it my way, you know? Huh. So, yeah the wealth in that region it's i mean we live in la like we live in a quarter ranch which is a pretty wealthy area but we know beverly hills we know like encino we know where rich people live you know with the mansions and things like that so we're used to wealth but there's a whole another level like i mean the stuff that we saw there i'm like mm, like how how do i get into that you know private elite club i think you have to dig in your backyard and then have an oil refinery just rise up <laughs> all right i'll start digging today <laughs> <laughs> i think you just need an oil refinery in your backyard and then suddenly you can pay yeah. for all of these flights in cash oh my god it like i i can't fathom paying for these business and first class flights the friends in that cash. we have yeah the friends that we have in abu dhabi who fly first class uh, they have a caviar farm in uh, Abu Dhabi. So, yeah, I'm like, hey, how about you hook me up with a little caviar? You know? They have a caviar farm? Yeah, in Abu Dhabi. Like, they farm caviar. Like, they grow sturgeon, and they make the caviar, and then they sell it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was just imagining, like, a beluga whale just hanging out in the desert, and then they're, like, harvesting oh. eggs out of it, and I'm like, it dies. Like, you can't have a whale in a desert. It's crazy how Abu Dhabi and Dubai are trying to diversify their portfolios away from gas and natural resources because they're drying up, you know, and the world is moving towards electric, solar, wind, and all that stuff. So some of the investment that they did was actually building these um, caviar farms. And they're just like, they have like these huge water tanks and they just grow the, the beluga, the sturgeons. I mean, different types of uh, sturgeons into a regular into the size where they can actually harvest the caviar from. Yeah, so you could do that as a side gig project in your backyard. You're like, I dig for oil and I farm caviar. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hobby, like points and miles. I farm caviar. I I travel for free. You know, rich people hobbies. I belong in this business class lounge. <laughs> Thank you. This is it. Hold on, let me write that one down. That's a good. Mine. This is like our farm caviar. <laughs> yeah. This has been such an entertaining episode and it's so enlightening too. I never even thought about the religious aspect of interest. I had heard that once upon a time, but it didn't even occur to me that that's why a lot of the Muslim community doesn't go for credit cards. But oh, rule number one of travel hacking if you're going to open these cards, make sure you pay it off all in full every month anyway. And now no sins have been committed. Yeah. That's right. What would you say is your number one piece of travel hacking advice for listeners today that I can put on an Instagram quote card? Family and significant others applying for the same cards and combining the points. So mm -hmm. Sumaya and I, we always uh, apply for the same card. A lot of these banks allow you to pool the points together so my 100,000 points from the Chase Ultimate, from the Preferred, can be combined with Sumaya by making Sumaya an authorized user on my Chase. And then we combine the, the two together and then we decide to either 
um, transfer them to airlines or hotel lines or just redeeming them for on uh, the Chase travel portal. So pool your points together. And even use each other's referral links because we'll other's links and then get an extra little bonus. <laughs> Excellent. Two-player mode is the way to go. Mm-hmm. And also with good advice, can you give a shout out to one or two people on the internet that listeners should go follow for awesome points advice as well? All right. Well, there's oh. no, the number one guy, the points guy, Brian, and then Ben Schlepp from uh, One Mile at a Time. Those two people I follow a lot. And one third person, like from, I uh, forgot his name, but his God Save the Points. He's now on board in area.com, but those three blogs, the points guy, one mile at a time, and God Save the Points. And thank you again, both of you, for coming onto the show. This was so much fun and so entertaining and so educational for everybody. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having us. It was super thank fun. You. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. If any of the cards mentioned in today's episode piqued your interest, please check out the links in the show notes for more information on any of the cards. Also, if you apply for a card using the links on that page, I may receive a commission too, so please and thank you. P.S. I hear the links work better in Internet Explorer or Safari, and sometimes the credit card applications tend to glitch out in Chrome. Additionally, it would mean the world to me if you could subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star review, and share it with a friend. And if you would like to make even more travel hacking friends, please sign up for the Patreon to access our monthly masterclass hangouts. We dive deep into a particular points program each month, and you'll get to ask all of your travel hacking questions and enjoy being around other people who enjoy points and miles just as much as you and I do. If you would like an invite to the next one, head over to geobreezetravel.com hangouts to sign up to be on the invite list. Take care and happy travels.